Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Um, my guest today is Lynn Ulbricht, uh, mother of Ross Ulbricht, who is alleged to have uh, created and run the Silk Road Marketplace, which was a, uh, a dark web market. Um, Lynn and I are going to be talking about uh, freeross.org and you know topics related to um, the various issues. Uh, Lynn, how are you doing today? I'm all right. Thanks. Yeah, thanks Good. for coming. Mm-hmm. And sure. Thanks for right having before me. We get into yeah, right before we get into that, I just want to let uh, listeners know Lynn's going to be coming to speak at the uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference, which is February 16th to the 18th in Dallas. And, um, you know, I've seen Lynn speak a couple times, and I think um, she's going to be a great draw, and it's a very, you know, she's a very important person to have as part of this. So uh, I just want to thank you, you know, publicly for coming, and I appreciate you being there. Oh, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll be a great conference. All right, so so Lynn, go ahead. You know, uh, we probably don't need much background, but let me know what are the latest issues that you're working on in regards to, you know, helping your son Ross uh, hopefully regain his freedom, and you know the legal issues and the the political issues, and you know what are you working on right now? Which, where's the state of his case? Uh, yeah, and for those people who don't know that much about it, I mean, I think one reason Ross is relevant to the conference is that he created a, a website. Silk Road, that was not created as a drug website. I think I, I need to make that clear. It was created because Ross, he was worked on the Ron Paul campaign. He was on fire for freedom. He was in his 20s, and he wanted to give people an experience of a free market. And he was also very taken with the little-known cryptocurrency Bitcoin at the time. He talked to me about it a lot. And in fact, I even asked him, hey, Ross, should I buy some? And he goes, no, mom, it's too volatile, which is probably the worst advice I've ever financial advice I've ever gotten because it was very cheap under a dollar but anyway uh, he was buying a lot of it and um, he was very excited about Bitcoin because of the potential for monetary freedom and um, independence so it went along with the whole philosophy of the site which was really designed to protect the privacy of users it was not it was product agnostic it was not user uh, the buyer and seller decided what to exchange with restrictions and I want to make that clear too because the media has somewhat distorted this at times um, Ross is a very much of a believer in voluntary interaction peaceful do no harm interaction and so the the administration of the site prohibited things that created victims or were used force so Child pornography was not permitted, for example. 
or um, stolen property was not permitted. And there was a list of things that were restricted, but in general, it was an open, unregulated marketplace where people just determined what they wanted to exchange with each other. And there were many legal things. There was art and books and raw milk and uh, gold. I had someone tell me that his gold was on there when the uh, government seized the site and they took all his money and it was totally legal. but also illegal things, obviously, uh, well, drugs. And that was all that was allowed to be mentioned at trial, but actually it was an open market. So just to give a little background. Um, so we've been through uh, with Ross um, uh, a whole long legal process over the last four years um, with a trial that has many, many problems with it and has been appe- was appealed. And there's a list, there's a summary of the case and a list of those things on the freeross.org website, uh, and then it was appealed. That was um, denied, and so now the appeal's being appealed, basically with a petition to the Supreme Court. And um, that's what I want to focus on a lot in when I come to the conferences. You know where we are now because it's broad-reaching. There's um, issues of pri- digital privacy that are being addressed in the courts right now. And depending on how they rule, it'll affect all of us going forward in the digital age. And then there's also a question of using uncharged crimes to convict somebody where where a jury hasn't even heard or ruled on these things. And in Ross's case, the government alleged that he planned murders for hire, which Ross has denied, I don't believe for a second. But also that the government didn't charge him. They didn't bring it to trial. So they never proved it. And a jury never ruled on it, and yet the judge used it to justify a double life sentence plus 40 years for all nonviolent charges. And um, there's no violent charges in Ross's convictions, and um, yet they put it, he is now residing in a maximum security prison in Florence, Colorado, where they put violent people that's, and violent gangs, and that's who goes to this prison for the most part. And Ross is a totally peaceful guy. And, and frankly, as a mother, I feel like his safety and life even are could be in jeopardy being in this environment. But um, anyway, and Ross is not a threat to anyone. I mean, there were no victims who came forward at trial and said Ross had hurt them in any way. Um, so that's where we stand with the case. Question you know, on that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. What do you think the government's goal was in prosecuting Ross, and why do you think they didn't include alleged murders for hire, and why did they do what they did? Do you have any idea? Yeah, I have lots of ideas. I I think that the reason, really, that they went after Ross so hard is because of Bitcoin. I think that, you know, Chuck Schumer was behind it. He was on the Senate Finance Committee and the um, Banking Committee, and I think that the powers that be were very alarmed at this cryptocurrency that was out of their control. And the reason I say that, I think the other... Part of it is that um, they were concerned about people having privacy on the internet through Tor, um, where the government couldn't, regu- you know, read what the people were doing. And um, even though Tor is used by dissidents and um, journalists and all kinds of legitimate people, um, they claimed in their papers that anyone who uses Tor has criminal intent, which is a pretty outrageous statement. But in any case, I, I believe it was about Bitcoin essentially because of Chuck Schumer. And by the way, the judge was recommended to the bench by Chuck Schumer. The lead prosecutor, Preet Bharara, was his special counsel for many years. 
it was and he, and Ross was brought to Schumer State to be tried, even though he was arrested in California. So there's a lot of political things about it. But I think the reason I don't think it was about drugs per se is that the biggest drug seller on Silk Road got 10 years. The biggest heroin and cocaine seller got five. Uh, and there's all kinds of other um, convictions and sentencing that is so disparate from what Ross has received that uh, it's very obvious to me there was a political component. And even the judge referenced that. She said, well, you know, we know you started the site for philosophical reasons, and we're not sure we're not sure you've given that up yet. And she justified her sentence partly on Ross's political beliefs and libertarian beliefs. So um, I think that's why. And um, the reason I don't think they charge him with murders for hire is because I don't think they have proof. Because they certainly don't hold back when they with, with charges. They even charged right. him for false IDs because somebody else had false IDs on there. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if they had had proof, and also it's important to know that there's an indictment in Maryland that includes this murder char- murder for hire. It's not murder. It's murder for hire charge. Nobody died. Um, that was based on evidence submitted by a corrupt eight, uh, DEA agent who's now in prison admitting to st- having stolen over a million dollars with another agent uh, from the site and also who had access to the site and the ability to change anything on it pretty much. So it's based on the evidence from a corrupt agent who is in prison now. So I think that their their case is pretty weak, and I think that's why they didn't charge him. So, I mean, that seems to me the only explanation. I can't think of any other reason why they yeah, didn't. Yeah. It's not because they're nice. <laughs> it's not. Believe me, right, it's right. not because they're nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think, Obviously. I mean, it doesn't seem like the government achieved its goal to dampen Bitcoin at all. I mean, it seemed like no. the opposite. So. Yeah. And also darknet markets. And one of the things they said was, well, you're going to be an example. You have to shoulder basically the burden for any darknet markets. Uh, and those proliferated after the sentencing. There's many, many more than there were before Ross's life sentence. And yet that was another excuse for giving him such a heavy duty sentence was, um, oh, it's going to stop other people. It hasn't done that at all. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the um I know that there's a very I don't know either narrow or difficult requirement to be heard by the Supreme Court. What what are the issues that uh, you guys have put forth that you want the Supreme Court to judge? Yeah, well, and I left that up to the legal team because they know a lot better what the Supreme Court's interested in. Um there's mm-hmm. two issues. One is um privacy, which um addresses specifically the investigation. The government used um pen registers and trap and trace devices known as pen traps, kind of together known as pen traps, without a warrant or probable cause. And, and this, their argument is that this should have had a warrant, that the government relies on what they call the third-party doctrine, which was ruled and established almost 40 years ago based on the dial telephone. And they're still uh, surveilling people based on that ruling, and it's outmoded. It, it doesn't protect citizens of the United States from being surveilled by the government without a warrant. And so they go into a lot of arguments about that. Uh, The other one is that it is not, it deprives us of a jury trial, which is our right as citizens constitutionally. Um, If a judge decides that you're guilty based on uncharged crimes like murder for hire and enhances an unreasonable sentence with that excuse, Again, never proven, never charged, and that is in flies in the face of our protections. And it, and the reason they say that we have to have a jury trial is to protect us from judges just deciding you're guilty. 
and, right. you know, to be put in a cage for life, partly based on something that a jury never even ruled, that was never proven, it's pretty scary when you think about it. Yeah. So so those are the two issues that, okay, so it should have had a jury trial, and the other one is that um, it was, what, illegal search and seizure? Or, do I have that well, right? it actually wasn't that he should have had a jury trial. It's that a judge cannot enhance a sentence based on uncharged crimes that have not been proven by a jury. Um, if the jury had convicted Ross on that, then she could use that for her sentencing, you know, legitimately. But they didn't. So she's just taking this story from the government, these allegations that they dropped, basically, and using them to justify the sentence and, and to sentence him to something that's really quite unreasonable for a first-time offender, no violence, no victims came forward at trial to say Ross had hurt them, none, none of that. And the other uh, thing is, um, yeah, warrantless search and seizures um, are unconstitutional. The Fourth Amendment uh, does, it prohibits this and that they're being used with an um, excuse of, well, this third-party doctrine, and um, I'll go into it in more detail at the conference, but, um, you know, this is very outmoded. And basically what the courts are doing now in general, they're trying to apply 20th century law to 21st, 21st century in the digital age, and it doesn't fit, and it's not adequate. And what's happening in the process is our constitutional protections are being eroded so that the Fourth Amendment is becoming irrelevant. So that's that's kind of a quick summary of what the Supreme Court petition is about. And right now we're in the process of uh, gathering different different groups are stepping up to file amicus briefs, which is friends of the court briefs that that join the the petition and saying yes, you should hear this and this is why. And um, so that's in the process of happening, and the deadline for that is February fifth. No, time I'm at the conference, we'll know who the, we will have confirmed amicus briefs as well. Oh wow! So the more mm-hmm. amicus briefs and the more diverse and um, powerful sources, the better. The more likelihood that the Supreme Court will hear it. Yeah, it's not only quantity; it's quality. So, and I, actually, at this level, which is called the cert petition level, um, that's what it's called. Is a, a, Petition of certiorari, it's kind of a mouthful, but it's called a cert petition. It, you don't tend to get as many briefs as you do once the Supreme Court accepts it, and then it's called on the merits, and then you, you have a lot more briefs usually. So, But still, um, it's good to have them, especially if they're good quality and make good arguments. Makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been able to get any big names to uh, to file an amicus brief? You know, I, I, I don't even know if it's possible, but, you know, Julian Assange, WikiLeaks, uh, Snowden, I mean, anyone that, or people in the U.S., uh, you know, anyone that you're you're happy has filed one or wants to file one? Well, I don't really want to talk about it because it's not all completely public and um, confirmed. Okay. So, you know, but um, yeah, I, I am ha- happy with um, the arguments and the people writing them, and I think that it'll, it'll make some very good, a strong uh, case. Okay. And you said that if... Um, so what are the consequences if it's not heard by the Supreme Court, and what are the consequences if it is heard and, you know, the case is not overturned or altered in some way? What do you think is going to happen to, you know, everyone in the U.S.? What is, what's the downside? Yeah, well, it, it, there's there's so many different things that can and may happen depending on how they rule. Um, the worst case would be if they completely just turned us down. That would be a very devastating blow. I'm really hoping and praying that doesn't happen. It's an important case, and our attorneys are very uh, well-respected, some of the leading attorneys in the country uh, in the Supreme Court, and they think it's an important case. Then they make a really good argument, 
it's Williams and Connolly. It's a very um, well-known firm, and um, the, uh, the lawyer in charge of it is the head of their Supreme Court practice, and he's very good. So I'm hoping that you know they will hear it. There's another case being heard, has been accepted, called Carpenter, that is based on a similar principle of privacy, but with a cell phone. And so this could be potentially held in held to see what happens with Carpenter. And if they rule favorably on Carpenter, then there's it could be remanded back to the Second Circuit Appellate Court to rule based on that ruling. You know, there's there's so many different potential things that could happen that it's you know hard to go into them, especially since I'm not a lawyer. But um, you know. As long as you stay in the game, you still have options. So that's what we're hoping for. And um, how is Ross with all of this? Does he has he does he feel like it's about him still, or does he feel like you know he's part of a greater cause now? Or you know what are you seeing from your interactions with him? How is he feeling about this? Yeah, well, Ross and I both have, and our family has always felt and have experienced that this is bigger than Ross. I mean, he's in there with other people who are shouldn't be in there. Um, I mean, there is a friend of his in there who's got a life sentence for selling marijuana and the, and he's already put in 15 years and, and the federal prisons in Colorado of all places. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who are over sentenced as a problem in, in this country. And also Ross, um, he definitely is happy about what's happened with cryptocurrency because he, he always saw it as a, a path to monetary freedom. And, um, so he's excited about that and he's had people visit him and, people who know more about it than I do from that standpoint who build him in and it's fun for him to talk to them and get, cause he's sort of out of the loop. He doesn't even have internet allowed internet, really? but, um, or email, but, um, he, uh, and so, yeah, I think he does. Oh, he definitely sees it as a, a greater cause. Um, and he always did. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, he's been painted as this sort of criminal thug that is the farthest from the truth. If you knew wrong or even, to, you know, hear what other people who do know him have to say. I mean, he's always been very idealistic and um, cared about humanity and 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 the best thing for people. So he does see it as a bigger thing. Of course, he would like to be free. <laughs> it's right. a pretty rough road he's on. He was has been able to be very involved with the cert petition um, and and conferring with the lawyers and and giving them input. And he spends a lot of time in the law library. He's getting a crash course in law school here, and um, sure. he's smart, you know, so he's been able to, you know, um, learn a lot and work on his case, and he's very committed to that. It's a problem be- lately because this prison has been putting them on lockdown almost without a break since Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's a new warden, and um, he can't get to the law library when he's on lockdown, so that's been a problem. But um, hopefully, hopefully that's going to change. I don't know. But in any case, um, yeah. So he's he's very involved in it. I think he feels. I I really think, and I, I believe I, it's just hard to conceive that Ross will spend the rest. He'll die in there. Okay, it's just so wrong that we just can't accept it. And and he believes that something will happen where he can have a second chance. You know, it's like right. Right. you know. So anyway. Is, so is, is there any way to petition? Is there any way to petition to at least get him into a lower security prison? I mean, that seems you know. I don't yeah. know. Is that a path for you? Are you guys working on that? Yes, that's. I mean, I've been very immersed in the whole Supreme Court petition, but that is on my 
agenda going forward is finding ways to potentially be able to get him moved to a more appropriate place, you know, because his his designation score is so low, each inmate has one, that he'd be just one step up from a camp in a low, even including the charges, because he has no violence. They, when he went in there, they go, what are you doing in here? <laughs> and and, right, and yeah. they go, oh, yeah, it's because of the sentence. Because when you have a life sentence, then they put you in the most high security place where they put violent people. And um, he doesn't belong in there at all. And I've had guards come up to me and say, Ross is a great guy. He doesn't belong in here. And they said it to him. They said it to his lawyer. Uh, they know. They, it's obvious. <laughs> you know, it's very obvious. So um, I hope that we can somehow get it across to the powers that be and someone with the authority can move him. Um, But, you know, I haven't been concentrating on that lately because there's a deadline with the Supreme Court and I've been doing what I can to help with that. You know, it's my own personal opinion, but, uh, you know, you're an amazing mother to be doing this for him. So uh, I know, you know, you're his mother and everything, but I just want to let you know that uh, you're doing an amazing thing. So, you know. Thank you. Well, like I said, I can't let him die in there. I just can't, you know. It's, it's, yeah. and, it's, and it also has become a bigger cause for me because once you see how the criminal justice system operates for yourself and you hear the stories of the other people in the prison and see the children and the damage it's doing to these children of these inmates who really are over-sentenced in many cases, it's hard to – you can't go back, you know. And so, yeah. um, but I do appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny, people that don't know anything about the criminal justice system, they say, oh, lock them up and throw away the key. They'll say to, yeah. you know, someone, but they have no concept that there's all kinds of people in there that, you know, may not have done much of anything. Like you said, you know, sold marijuana or smoked it. And, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, so I agree. And, and, and prison doesn't help people. It doesn't rehab them. It seems to just not at all for life. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's right. Or forces yeah. them back into criminality. You're right. Or, right. Yeah. you know, yeah, it definitely, the, 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 they call themselves correctional institutions. And, and I'm sorry, but I don't, I'm not seeing it. And yeah. uh, really, you almost have to become hardened to survive after a while. Ross isn't, but he's certainly matured, but he, he's not yeah. hardened. But I, you know, I certainly, you know, you're in there for life. He's, you know, he's, he, 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 it changes you. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. How have you, uh, you know, I don't think you guys come from, particular wealth, how how have you guys been able to mount this ongoing defense and afford it? I mean, you know, do you accept donations or how does it work? Yeah, we definitely accept donations on freeroth.org. Um, we've had a lot of um, support from the cryptocurrency community. Um, the most uh, outstanding has been Roger Veer. Um, it's been great. Um, but many people, it's been a real grassroots movement and it's allowed us to get where we are now because it's, punitively expensive to fight the federal government, go to the Supreme Court, all that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, we've had a lot of help. It's, we've also, you know, spent our own money to the point of, you know, well, guys, I need your help or I'm not going to be able to keep going because uh, yeah. it is ridiculous, you know, how expensive it is. And um, so we're determined and we do have a lot of support. Um, I think a lot of people realize that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency would not be where it is if it weren't for Ross's vision. I'm not saying he did everything right. He was a kid, basically. He was young. Yeah. He was idealistic, maybe a bit reckless. But um, he meant no harm, and he had a vision. And like I say, very few people had ever heard of Bitcoin when he first told me about it. He was very excited about it. So a lot of the people in the crypto space have realized that and want to help. And um, and it isn't just for Ross. It's for all of our protections because 
there's a lot of encroachment going on from the government going after people, crypto and and the drug war and the whole thing. And it, it's, we need to really pay attention or we're going to lose our freedom. That I truly believe that. Yeah, so what do you think, um, you know, I don't know, you may not be an expert in cryptocurrency, uh, but what do you see as playing out over the next couple of years for this space? What are some scenarios you've envisioned? Oh, God. Yeah, I'm definitely not the expert. I'm going to be the least informed person at that conference about cryptocurrency. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I certainly hope that, um, you know, it continues to flourish. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's, we ought to be able to have different currencies. And uh, I think it's really a freedom issue. I, so I hope so. Um, I don't know what will happen with government regulation and, I don't know, you know, different governments. I can see that it will. Be, there may be some conflict. Obviously, it's already happening. And um, it's one issue of many that is going to come to a head probably. But I I hope that the cat's out of the bag and that it's, it's unstoppable. That's what I hope. Yeah, it seems That's like what it. should happen, yeah. I'll probably learn a lot about it when I go up to go to Dallas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, any any other takeaways you want people to to take from this call? You know, and anything that they should look at, you know, before they hear you speak to uh, prepare them. You know, so they'll be better informed about what you're going to talk about. Well, our our we have a new the website is revamped right now. It's a pretty new uh, version. Um, FreeRoss.org. It's pretty dense, so there is a um a overview of the case. If you want to look at that, there's. Uh, there's a hundred letters from people who personally know Ross about who he really is, which uh, people think he's a kingpin thug need to look at because it's obvious he isn't. He's the opposite. Uh, he's a very wonderful person who cares about people and is very peaceful. Um, and there's just a lot of information. There's pictures, all of that. Um, there's ways to help. So I would say that would be the place to go is freeross.org. And I would just encourage people, don't believe everything you read in the media. A lot of it's sensationalistic, and a lot of it's factually wrong. And um, and to uh, I don't know, no, realize that Ross. A lot. I, I understand that some people in the crypto space don't want to be associated with Silk Road. I get it. I mean, I understand. I'm not even defending Silk Road per se, but at the same time, this is bigger than Ross. This is about a lot more than that. And um, I, I'd like people to realize to get past the sensationalism and realize that. Okay. Well, very good, Lynn. I really appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, oh, thanks absolutely. for speaking about this. And, yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to you. having you very much. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.